Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Osbiz. Great to have your company for the call. 60 minutes, 10 stocks you suggest, two experts to run their eye over it and give you a a bit of guidance and I throw in a stock of the day. Really great to have on board. Andrew Page from Strawman. Andrew, good to see you, sir. Hey, Koshi, how are you? Great. Michael Wayne from Adandian Financial. Michael, how are you? Good to good be to here. See. It's always good. Uh, yeah, afternoon. good week so far. Yeah, it's how, how are you busy. reading the market at the moment? Look, making sort of all time highs or yeah. trending very strongly and often, you know, all time highs begets further all time highs. It's often yeah. a very good momentum place. So, Valuations in certain pockets seem expensive. Other areas seem a little bit more attractive. Um, we're not getting too carried away, but I, I, I am positive on the outlook. Uh, mm. I think the, the global economy is humming along quite nicely, same as the Australian economy. Yeah. Uh, earnings continually be upgraded by the analysts. So I think that can help support markets from here. Yeah, okay. Andrew? I, I think that's the, the challenge is this, like all of the really great companies you want to own, it's kind of, there's a lot in the price. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so all the things that sort of ostensibly look like they've got um, some more value to them have a lot of hairs on them. So it's, yeah. it's a choice between something not so great, but potentially cheap and something really great, but potentially expensive. Yeah. That's the challenge. Well, yesterday we had two fairly conservative guys on the panel, Scott Phillips from Motley Fool and Mark Morland from, uh, from Team Invest. Now, they're the most conservative of, uh, that we have on the panel. Both of them said buy A2 milk. <laughs> now, you're talking about a company with hairs on it. Yes. Blimey, yeah. that's, that's curdled for uh, a lot of investors. <laughs> and they're saying it is so bad at the moment that it actually looks all right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's sort of picking those um, stocks who are so ugly, but whether they can turn around it. Nathan Sobasandaram is sort of into IAG and QBE. Right. They're so ugly that they're starting to look pretty. There's some element to truth to that. I mean, we've been sort of forced into areas of the market that we would normally avoid. Some of the commodity stocks, some of the energy stocks, and they've been some of our better performers, even uh, the banks. Helped know. by the oil price. So that's that's right. Good that's mm -hmm. right. But normally we would sort of steer clear. We look for those healthcare yeah. tech names, right. um, quality businesses with quality balance sheets. But we've been drawn away a little bit from that. But it's been to uh, been a positive factor. Um, but going forward, you know, look, things can change so quickly. Yeah. Oh, so we've got right. an earnings season coming up in August now, which is only a month or so away. 
Yeah. Um, and trying to pick an index, whether it's going to go higher <laughs> or not, I might as well just do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No idea. exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Uh, before we get into your 10 stocks, uh, stock of the day, we thought we'd have a look at Brickworks. Um, not providing any profit guidance amid investment earnings uncertainty caused by the pandemic. This comes despite saying it's on target to nearly double full year profit, thanks to the recent upswing in the value of industrial property with record uh, EBIT earnings before interest and tax tipped at its property unit, forecast to come in between 240 and $260 million for fiscal 2021. Brickworks is just one of those stocks that keeps on giving. Yes, it makes bricks, but it makes more money redeveloping the quarries once they're finished into big residential and, and industrial parks. Don't they? It's, we, it's we, phenomenal. We talk so much just sort of about tech and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Bricks, right? And these guys, if you'd, I think they're listed in 1965 or something. They've actually started in 1908. It's one of the oldest companies yep. in Australia. But if you'd bought then, you've compounded your wealth at something like almost 13% per annum over that. So one grand into like $550,000, wow. uh, you know. And as you can see there, all time high. It's also one of those very, very rare companies that can boast an incredible dividend history. I don't believe they have cut the dividend in 45 years yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, it does have a big cross shareholding with with Salt Pats as well. As that was, uh, and who's the third one? There's three in it, isn't there? There's Brickworks, Salt Pats, and it'll come to me. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but but it's just it's a phenomenal business, and you've you've really hit the nail on the head with the business model here. First, you get the quarry usually in a really nice strategic location. They're heavy things to transport around, so well, you know you you. you but the you, quarries are usually they start because they go for so long on the outskirts of a city. Yeah. And by the time they dig it all out, Where all the it's an inner suburb. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And then, and then like the land value. So actually in their announcement today, and they did a, a site tour for all the analysts and stuff, they published that on the ASX. And um, the, the value of their properties on the, on the, when they got it revalued is it actually equates to about $27 a share now, right? So that's, wow. I think they're up 8% or so today. So there's a wonderful asset backing there. Very so conservative. So valued at 27 a share and it's at $22. Yeah, something right. like that. Right. Yeah, so not just all the property, but all of their sort of tangible assets. Yeah. It's, um, it seems like, it's, it, look, it's a very boring company, but it's, it's a classic bottom draw company. Yeah. Buy it at these levels? I think, um, yeah, but I, I would very much do it with that very long-term view in yeah. mind. It's sort of, I, I would buy this and maybe look at it again in 10 years right, kind of thing. So it's, 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 it's never going to be tripling tomorrow, but it's, yeah. it's a very good one to hold forever. Okay, Michael? Yeah, it's a, a great business. I mean, obviously everyone associates them with, with bricks. Yeah. Um, and I think they've got about 50% of the market share in Australia, about 10% in the US, which is a very fragmented market. So they've got two very strong positions in the brick space and obviously construction's been coming along quite nicely, residential stuff is picking up again as well. But the reality is over 50% of its value is attributed to Washington Solpats with yeah. this cross ownership structure and the rest is from the property assets. Uh, and the property assets continue to go gangbusters. So as long as you have an understanding of the drivers of that um, and understand that it's not purely an industrial type company aligned to the property sector, uh, that, that sort of gives you a bit more clarity on it. But basically, I, I think it can continue to do well, but you also have to understand 
that it probably does trade at a bit of a discount because of that cross ownership structure yep. that puts a few people yep. off, basically protects around any takeovers and acquisitions, etc. Um, of Brickworks, which people see as a bit of a negative, but by and large, it's a, a steady, easy as she like steady as she goes type company. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, for me, it's probably a, a, a hold. Right. You'd probably prefer to try and pick it at a COVID drop, like yeah, you saw yeah. on the chart. Yeah, I was all there. there, down at twelve bucks. Because it does go through those cyclical wheat patches, uh, and that's probably the opportunity right. to do it at the moment. Yeah. All the guns are firing, so you're probably yeah. not going to get too much value. Okay. All right. Let's get into your ten stocks. Clayton wants a view. Um, Michael, you're talking about being attracted to the uh, to the banks yeah. and financials. Uh, lately, Clayton wants a, a view on Westpac. Yeah, so look, Westpac, it looks so, just to, to make it clear, at the moment, we're not buyers of banks. Um, uh-huh. We think that most of the run has happened and yep. we're a bit late to the party if you're coming in right now. Um, our long-term view of the banks is still quite cautious. We think there are challenges when it comes to revenue growth, margins, all that sort of stuff that's not going away. Um, there's a lot of investment going into to cutting costs as well by improving technology. Um, Westpac is one that we did buy around October last year along with ANZ. Um, Westpac probably had the worst update of all the banks in the recent round of updates, although it probably had the biggest jump because their cost out story was a lot bigger and a lot better than many people were anticipating. But I think you do got to be a little bit careful around that because the banks have been talking about cutting costs by large numbers for a number of years now, uh, and they've often underwhelmed in that department. Um, Westpac's probably had the worst cost control of all the banks, although when you look back over, say, a five-year period, it hasn't been as bad. So you could probably look at it one of two ways, that there's more room for improvement potentially than some of the other banks. But by and large, um, we feel that sort of the, they've had their best run um, and the, most of their runs out of the way. The, the time to buy the banks was the end of last year when they were trading on book multiples, the lowest you'd seen since the early 90s with the exception of CBA. That has since reversed considerably. And although there might be a little bit of upside and they are trending very well, uh, we're probably getting closer to the top of those valuations now. Okay, so no for you, Andrew? Yeah, no for me. If you put a gun to my head and said, you can put your money in the bank or you can buy shares in the bank, I'll, I'll definitely take shares in the bank. Yeah. You know, and, and anyone who's holding it, you're never gonna lose your money. You'll you'll do okay. I, so, so dividends have been knocked around with COVID, but you sort of normalize that um, and look forward a little bit. You're probably gonna get four and a half percent fully frank. That's near enough six and a half percent when you yeah. when you gross it up. Um, and that's that's far from terrible in a low interest rate environment. It's just as Michael said, like where's the growth coming from? I always get a little concerned when the big story is cost out. Like if that's where you're driving profits, there's only so much you can you can squeeze that orange. Um, and look, it's a 20% reduction in cost, something like that, that they're targeting, which will, will definitely help margins if it is achieved. But I, I tend to think that overall, a little bit of a little bit of growth potentially there with your dividends, you might get 8% compound over a long period of time. That's that's far from terrible. It's just not good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> so as Mike, Michael nailed it, really, I mean, these you get opportunities with the banks because they will be around for a long, long time, is, is when, when everything's looking really dire, that's the time yeah. that you back the truck up. Yeah, not not now. Really good. And yeah. they're probably the most expensive banks in the world at the yeah. moment, Australian yeah. banks, and they've cut a lot of their higher growth businesses, return on equities come down. So they're probably pretty mature at this yeah. point yeah. in the yeah. cycle. 
Well, I think Combat is the most expensive yeah. in the world, is that single bank in terms of valuation. And the other thing, just quickly, before even even uh, COVID and stuff, dividends haven't increased for Westpac, and for, I think for a lot of the banks, yeah. for like five years or something. They've yeah. just been going sideways. Been cut. Yeah. They're not going back to where they were. Do you know what I mean? Payout ratio-wise, yeah. yeah. So it's it's sort of like, there's no growth there. And regulators like Austrac keep <laughs> slapping sort of counterfeit and yeah, money it. laundering. For good, for good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's on them which as an investor. Oh my go, gosh, what will they learn? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can't you give that to yourself? <laughs> um, going to Bitcoin. Uh, no. Um, Sam, Andrew wants a view on uh, QuickFee, a financial technology company. Um, basically a payment system for professional firms. Isn't it? Yeah, like, they service like firms, sort of like legal firms, firms. all that, all that yep. kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's sort of like a Square, if you could put it that way, the big US com- payments company. So you put it in there, allows your clients to pay electronically. They've also got installment plans. They've also got loans that they can give you. There's now a buy now, pay later product uh, as well. So it's, it's um, showing some pretty decent growth, actually. The US uh, in particular, not so great in Australia um, more recently. Um, they are still losing money, though. Um, uh, they've listed two years ago, as you can see there, the, the share price has not done uh, no. particularly well. So it's one of these businesses where I can definitely see a huge market opportunity. They, they seem to, barring the last little wobbles, have a reasonable amount of, of traction there. It's what I what I would need to really do a deep dive on in terms of the due diligence is just to understand that competitive dynamic because there are a lot of players in this space and a lot of yeah. very very big players. So they have very they've got a very deliberate focus on the particular niche that they're in. So they're not trying to be everything for for everyone. Um, but that's that's the question for me. So I'd, I would like to sort of see that that uh, that that tip into um, more sustainable free cash flow generation, some good cost control, some good top line growth. Um, on a price to sales of about five on a normalized basis, isn't too bad for a, mm. for a tech company if they can deliver. But for me, it's a wait and see just to see if some of those okay. those factors emerge. All right, so I hold for you. Yep. Okay. Uh, fairly recent listing, only sort of a couple of years uh, on the market. And I think the issue for them is that if you're a new emerging company, who proposes of being a, a growth type business and you're seeing one of your key markets re- going backwards yeah. uh, and figures declining, it's always going to be very tough. And that probably explains the, the negative sentiment that we've seen in the share price. Um, so until you see a recovery in the Australian figures, although the US seems to be ticking along quite nicely, I'll remain pretty cautious on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you put yourself up as a, a, a growth stock, you've yeah. got to grow. You've you? got to grow, <laughs> certainly early on. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. You've got to deliver. All right. Uh, James wants a view, Michael, on Vista Group. Now, they're uh, basically a technology uh, business for cinemas mm-hmm. uh, in terms of running your cinema, customer ad- uh, data analytics, um, sort of even delivery mm. system for, yeah. uh, for films. So been smashed around a bit. Yeah, so this is a COVID loser, hands down, um, yep. but the technology itself is pretty good. Um, and leading up to COVID, the numbers for this company were, were quite good as well. You know, they've got very high margins, uh, the revenue and everything was growing quite nicely. So from my perspective, I think this is one potentially looking into uh, as a bit of a COVID recovery story. Um, as you mentioned, they do all sorts of different uh, things for, for cinemas, providing mm. them with a platform which allows them to manage their ticketing, to basically get the movies into their cinema as well and, and analyze different parts, data sets. 
Um, so for mine, it's looking okay. On that chart, it's picked up a bit. If you take it a bit further back over the, the sort of five-year period, you'll see a pretty big drop-off yeah. there. Um, so I do think there is capacity for this one to turn things around as the economy reopens uh, and cinemas start to become an attractive haven for people to go to again. So for mine, it's a it's a hold, and I'm Whoa! leaning towards leaning towards a, a buy. Probably, I'll probably wait for the next update from the company right. at, or in August reporting season, just to see how things are tracking. Because I do think that even if there is a, a 10, 20 percent rise from here, there's still some value there. Right. Should okay. the business be improving? Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I don't hate this one either. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for um, you know software style businesses, uh, they're a Kiwi business as well. The Kiwis really punch above their weight when it comes to, to these kinds of technologies. Yep, you know, there's some really great talent that comes out of, of New Zealand. Um, Pre-COVID's knocked them around a lot, but pre-COVID their revenues were going really strongly. They own about 51% of the large cinema chain market globally. So it's 20 plus screen kind of things. I think that excludes the Chinese market, which they've moved into a little bit, but you know, Good market share, good technology. Okay. The trouble uh, has been that, uh, that while that growth, uh, we've seen a lot of growth in the top line, we've also seen a lot of growth in costs too. So they're trying to transition a lot of their software uh, onto the cloud, a lot of product development, and also in funding that they've increased their share count by about 35% over the last five years or so. It's a bit of a dilutive thing. So it's sort of on, at, a, at a high level view that they're definitely winning, but it just hasn't translated into any profit yeah. growth, of many material profit growth, I should say, um, uh, for shareholders. So well-funded, $65 million in cash, balance sheet is in very uh, decent shape. Um, it will take a while for, for um, the COVID impact to sort of wane uh, a yeah. little bit. So like Michael, I, I think it's one to keep an eye on, but at this stage, I just, I just want to see some of those, I want to see some of that operating leverage unlocked yeah. and, and the COVID factor to, to and, disappear. Uh, and the big blockbusters coming back yes. to cinemas yeah. that don't go on to uh, streaming services. Yes. They yeah. hate, is it Disney at the moment? Because you can do Disney premium and you get straight to straight uh, yeah. For forty bucks, yeah, yeah. Uh, per you got to pay per movie. You yeah. pay forty dollars, so that's an interesting test case for them at the moment. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's a, look, it's an interesting company. Their, their cash flow, free cash flow, is negative at the moment because of all that investment that they've yeah, been yeah. doing. Their debt levels picked up, but a lot of that work's been done. Well, that's what management say at least. So. Yeah. The, Fingers mm. crossed for them as okay. they cycle out. Yeah. Watch out for that one for uh, see how their August result comes in. All right, um, Shivnate um, Andrew wants a view on connection telematics. Shivnate says very small cap, small number of trades. Looks very interesting. We'd love to hear the panel's opinion. They uh, focus on the development of smart car technology for the automotive industry, uh, mm. sort of the internet of things, if you like. Um, yes, yeah, small cap is right. $14 million is okay, the size of this small, company. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty small and it's very, very illiquid as a, as a consequence uh, of that size. Um, I, I tried to spend a bit of time really trying to go below the, the headline of, you know, IoT for smart car. Well, what does that exactly yeah. kind of mean? So they, there's, there's a couple of different products. They do GPS tracking, things like engine performance, fuel consumption, EV battery life, all of that. But I think the main one is this fleet management software that they have for dealerships. So, you know, operating uh, their demo cars, their courtesy cars, and oh, it's very right. much a US sort of focus there. So um, they've 
they, they, look, they've been around since 2014 on the ASX, and as you can see, shares are about 90% down in yeah. that time. And this is also another it's cautionary... A, an irregular heartbeat too. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. You might need the defib uh, break that out there. But the other factor that's at play here, again, actually, this is going to come up a few times today, is, is this dilutive uh, aspect. The, the share count is up 10x in five years or so. Oh. So... To, to sort of fund these operations, they've had to keep going back cap in hand to, so, to shareholders. Okay. So in fact, if you take out the dilution, it would be back up to 20 cents. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, yeah. The, the reason it's so low is they keep coming back to shareholders and, for more money. And shareholders, I mean, the currency that we deal in is like a per share basis. So you yeah. see a lot of companies on their presentations, they'll talk about their revenue and their profits and they look really wonderful, but, but we own this through a share structure ownership yep. as well. So yeah. if, if there's lots and lots of new share, unless you're continually buying in, um, you know, your, your, your slice of the pizza is gonna get smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's the kind of impact that you have. So um, one thing, a couple of nice things, you know, they're debt three, free, they have about $3 million in, in cash. Uh, they've uh, expense all their R&D, which is always a, a nice thing to see for a software company. On a, on a trailing 12-month basis, the price to sales ratio is only a two to three, I think about two and a half or so. So look, and, and, and if, if they can return to some top-line growth, um, they've got a very big deal with General Motors in terms of their mm -hmm. dealership as well. So that's, that's nice. And if some other, other big names can get on board. There's, it's one of those companies, I can see why the, why the viewer has, has caught their eye, because there is a big potential here. Um, but that's true of most companies. Yeah. You know, in theory, yeah. they've all got big potential. It's, it's wanting to actually see some good runs on the board and some good traction before I would want to take the lead. Yep. So it's a pass. Um, Andrew sums up pretty well there, but it's a, it's a very small company, very liquid, which rules it out for, for us. Um, they have managed to improve the business significantly in recent times, and some of those key numbers are looking a lot better and a lot healthier than they did previously. Um, so like return on equity is very high, margins are very high, because it is that software as a service type model uh, in measuring those key performance metrics for smart vehicles that contract with general motors is, is key for them mm. but it's also a risk as well what if that falls apart yeah. maybe this one's back at 0.1 of a cent yeah so you've got to be careful with that um, they do say they've got about sixty-nine thousand cars on the road which incorporate their technology which mm. is a decent figure and hopefully one that's growing look again it's one you can probably keep an eye on because it, the business does seem to be progressing in the right way the metrics do seem to be quite good, but just keep in mind that it's a very, very small company. Yeah. There'll be you know, thousands and thousands of private businesses worth a lot more than this. Yeah, and, and ju just to recap why you don't go into a liquid stocks, if it doesn't trade much, when you buy in, you have the possibility of pushing the price up. Well, that's right. And often you can't get out. That's uh, right. Because there's no one there to buy. Yeah, and, and that bid-ask spread is often very wide. You know, a, a, a cent increment or a point one of a cent increment is ends up being 10% yeah. of a of a of move in the price. So you've got to have to be careful yeah. and understand those things as yeah. well. That, that's why the professionals always take that into account. Mm. Uh, Michael, Peter wants a view on ProMedicus, the health imaging software provider that's uh, had a pretty decent run in its um, share price of late after announcing they'd done an eight-year deal with the University of Vermont, only not worth huge amounts of dollars, $14 million, but uh, across um, six hospitals. 
uh, operated by the university and a lot of people seeing this as their first leg into the US. Yeah, I mean, I think they get 90% of the revenue from the US ProMedicus. Um, a lot of that's oh, recurring revenue, 80% recurring revenue. Uh, this is a business that's probably one of the better performers we've ever had. Uh, get clients in there, it was in our monthly report around sort of middle of 2018 when it was around sort of seven, eight dollars. Well, so it's, uh, mate, Claude Walker yeah, from Richlife, uh, I think is the number one fanboy yeah. of ProMedicus. He's been on to this <laughs> Has been for a while, for a while. yeah. Definitely. Can I tell you, when Claude first bought his shares, I was sitting next to him and I bought some too. It was, oh. it was 86 cents at yeah. that time. Oh, wow. and, and it is just absolutely shocking. It's a 60 bagger at this point yeah, in time. Yeah. Have you still got yours? I, I've got some of them. So oh, the, the, if, you, if, I, if you really want to depress me, just try and do the calculation on how much I would have made if I'd never <laughs> sold any along the way. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those regrets. But, but at, at the same time, it, you, you do need to sort of consider your portfolio management. So one of the negatives of uh, in a situation like that is that if you don't manage your holdings, it ends up being like 60% of your portfolio. Right, so it yeah. becomes extremely, so it's huge regrets, would have, could have, should have in hindsight, but yeah, I don't, I don't know as many as I originally did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got some, but probably not worth as much as Claude's given he got into that price, but yeah. um, great business. Um, essentially provides imaging technology to hospitals and clinics around the world, allowing clinicians and doctors to, to build 3D images and 2D images and, and film yeah. of different scans. Um, and the whole process now for them is commercializing <coughs> this software. So they're going around to hospitals throughout the world, trying to sign them on. And now over time, they're winning, although that contract that they announced recently is not huge, they're winning a lot more of those contracts now. So yeah. they are starting to add up. I think they got a very large one with the Mayo Clinic as well, which yeah. really sort of kicked them into the next stratosphere. Uh, and that's probably what propelled the share price after being range bound for a while there. So the outlook for the company remains very, very strong. Would I put new money to work at these prices? It's very hard because it's very expensive, but you could have said that when it was at 15 bucks yeah. or $10. So it's a company with great technology, expanding very quickly, winning more contracts. So I wouldn't be surprised if the momentum builds. It would be a buy on any pullback at these prices to hold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Claude's probably the biggest fanboy, but I'm not a, I'm not a distant second. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so Michael is 100% right. This thing is super expensive. It's a price earnings ratio of 170 yeah. or something yeah. like that. It's very expensive. Now, um, uh, that aside, this is a, this is what's really unusual. We talk about growth stocks, right? And usually, it's a story of making lots of losses now for big money down the track, and, and issuing lots of shares along the way. They've achieved all of this spectacular growth with a very steady share count. It's basically remained flat over the last ten years, and they've paid a dividend. So they're getting all of this growth and gushing free cash flow like you wouldn't believe. So massive margins. Uh, best in breed software. Uh, they've barely touched the European market as well. This is yeah. all Europe, uh, all US yeah. at the moment, a bit of Australia as well, Australasia as well. So it's incredible, in, in, uh, really great management, um, lots of revenue locked in. And they've got this interesting model too, where you sort of, you pay, you pay for these contracts, which allows you to do a certain number of uh, transactions on that. Right. But, there's, but above that, you sort of pay per transaction. So there's a yeah. lot of flex 
right. that as well. So this is really your story. I go right down the rabbit hole and this, so shut me up soon. But that this is a story of what can go right when there's a very fundamental structural shift in an industry and there's someone who captures all of that value. So in the yeah. old days, it was GE and all of the guys who made the CAT scans and the CT yeah. scans and they had software embedded in it like the software you might get with a printer, like the printer might work well, but the software is awful yeah. from the hardware manufacturer. Um, so they've, they've revolutionized the way that that has been done and it is now becoming very fast the standard. So I think it's got a long way to run. I'm happy to hold the shares that I continue to do. I would not be buying any at this point in time though. What would it need to get down to? I, you know what? It got down to 15 bucks last year and I did buy some more then as ah, well. Okay. Uh, so there, was, there are opportunities. Um, right. So for me, I'd have to check Strawman for my valuation. It, it probably needs a bit of an update. But I, I, honestly, it, it would need to come back a, a fair bit, maybe $35. I'd right. start to get interested again. Okay. Yeah, All it's right. quite overvalued. Yeah. All right. Uh, one of the great stocks and... I didn't realise we had the second biggest one in the year as well. <laughs> All right, here, here on the call, we have our own portfolio that we've, a fantasy portfolio we've been tracking since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner Nab Trade. Any stock or ETF that gets two thumbs up by our expert panel goes into the portfolio. If it comes up again, even if it's in front of a different panel and doesn't get that unanimous yes, it then goes out. Let's see how we're performing. Uh, for the week, down 0.3% for the month, up 3 and since the 1st of July, up 32.5%. Taking a look at some of the stocks recently added, A2 Milk, as I said earlier, by, the, uh, uh, by Mark Mullen and Scott Phillips yesterday. And New Hope Corporation, um, the big coal miner, um, was a Gaurav and Sodi and Nathan Somersandaran addition. Uh, Santos, GPT Group and Bigger Cheese have been added. Some of the stocks removed. IntelliHR, Omni Bridgeway, Pacific Smiles and Events Hospitality. Uh, if you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, coming up later on The Pulse, if you're a small cap investor, then come find opportunity with Stephen Wood from IGA Capital uh, from 1pm right here on Osbiz. And uh, if we go just recap the first five stocks, uh, Brickworks was our stock of the day. Uh, a yes from Andrew, a hold from uh, Michael. Westpac a no from both. Uh, Quick fee a no. Uh, Vista a hold uh, on both. Um, um, they'll be looking at the results in August because it could be a good turnaround stock. So all eyes on that, potentially a buy depending on what those results in August are. Connection, no too small and illiquid. And Prometicus, uh, a no, but buy on any decent pullback. All right, let's uh, take a look at the uh, the second five stocks and we'll kick it off with one from uh, Ron um, Andrew Vicinity Centres, uh, a real estate investment trust, um, has uh, is a stapled security. Um, and includes units in vicinity centres, trust owned 63 shopping centres, um, including a DFO in Brisbane, manages 31 assets on behalf of partners, 28 of which are co-owned with the group. So an interesting model of co-ownership yeah. and investment management for others. And some nice properties too. So yep. Chatswood Chase is, is theirs. Right. Chadstone uh, is theirs as well. So they've got some really nice centres in there. Obviously took a, a hit with with 
COVID. Uh, in fact, we're still seeing centre visitation. I had a look at their most recent announcements. So in the last quarter, visitation 77% compared to the same yeah. time last year. Retail sales for their tenants on average are down about 7%. There's a mix there. So supermarkets have gone okay. Department stores have been absolutely knocked for six, but that's, that's a whole other story uh, there. Um, yeah, you know, this is this is a yield play. You know, mm. you might get six percent or so in terms of the distributions that they pay. You don't get franking credits because of the structure of the company, but there are some tax benefits with it. Um, they haven't seen any growth really to speak of. It, it, take COVID out of the picture. You've seen yeah. no growth since 2014 uh, or so. So it's ho hum. Yeah. If, if, if that's if, if but it is also you know backed by lots of high quality assets so it, it's reasonably low risk but the compromise there is you might get six seven maybe eight percent return yeah. long so, term so if you're an income investor if you're an income investor you you could probably do worse but then again i would i would probably point i mean the the really great income investors uh, income investments also grow you know it's it's the brickworks frankly where the yield might not look particularly attractive but i would take any day of the week i take a four percent yield that's growing each year as a six instead of a six percent yield that's not growing okay but at a dollar 68 and then you're saying it's pretty a ho-hum mm. and it was really steady at that 260 mm. uh, sort of a a dollar up from it when things open up See, I'm also questioning mm. a bit at the moment all these sorts of companies, how they do their valuations. We saw one the other day come out and there was a 17% increase in values of their property. And I was thinking, how do they come up with that? Because I, I thought it's valuations were based on rents and rental yields. And if the yield's coming down or tenants aren't paying, then that must undermine I mean, your value. The thing is, with, with Vicinity, for instance, um, they own, say, the QVB, or they own yeah. the Strand Arcade. So they would argue that there are alternative uses for those properties if they weren't retail shopping centres, ah. or if they convert it to office space and they got 15,000 a square metre, the property would be worth X. So that's probably how they justify ah, it. But right. I do okay. agree that the business in its current form is a retail REIT. It's very hard to justify those increases in... Yeah. valuations but I mean vicinity I think it's not a bad option uh, at the moment mm. again if you're a REIT if you're a, a yield investor looking for a high quality um, real estate play this I think is offering an attractive proposition because what's happened is the the dividend per shares dropped from about 16 cents to about eight cents um, since COVID so it's halved dividend but it's still paying a five and a half percent dividend yield at current yep. prices mm. so I do feel if they can resume normality with the dividend and get it back towards 16 cents from 8 cents, then you'll start to see the share price pick up as well because there'll right. be that yield support. So I, I do think they do own some quality assets. They're obviously struggling because a lot of their assets are in Melbourne. Um, Victoria's obviously had four lockdowns now. Their, their Sydney assets are struggling as well because there's no tourism and obviously tourism is a big spender when it comes to these and there are no, locations. No people working in the city on Mondays that's, and Fridays. Yeah, that's spot on. <laughs> spot on. It's, yesterday, Tuesday was was busy, but, but Monday oh, and Fridays I is dead. I, I have a empty. barometer with the coffee shop down here at yeah. Barangaroo. Sort of Mondays and Fridays, you just walk in and order yeah. your coffee. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you've got to line up <laughs> out the door. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but with vicinity, I'm going to give it a buy, even right. for a. a conservative growth investor because I do think that there is some value to be unlocked if they can 
get out of this COVID period, they can start increasing the dividend again. I do okay. think the price will gradually rise as the dividend rises. Okay, all right. Uh, let's take a, um, a look. Uh, Michael Brad wants a view on Laser Bond. Brad says, looks an interesting industrial play. What does mm -hmm. the panel think? It's um, a surface engineering um, company. Um, what do you think? It's a, a very good business looking at the numbers. Um, look at all those key metrics. You look at revenue, you look at cash flows, profit, operating margin, return on equity, all tra tracking higher at the moment. Yep. A little bit of a COVID hiccup, but it's a, a business that seems to be benefiting from the, the mining boom at, at play. Um, so you do have to be careful of that, that the cycle is obviously very much in their favor at the moment, but basically provides like laser cladding heat treating, thermal spraying of different surfaces and, and products, um, which are applied in, in the mining space. So a, a lot of experience, they've been doing this for over 25 years, um, but they are definitely proceeding through a bit of a purple patch. And, and as with all mining services companies, um, I tend to get a little bit skittish because from time to time, when the cycle turns the other way, they go from making prices to being a price taker and competing for work. At the moment, there's so much demand for these sorts of services that you can set the price at whatever you want and, and, you'll, yeah. and you'll get a taker for it. But in the reverse of the cycle, the opposite tends to come about. So for now, um, given where we are in the mining cycle, and, and look, it could well continue for a, a long period of time, but I just would tread carefully. Right, okay. Yeah, this one actually does pretty well on straw man. Yeah. Um, it was introduced to the community by Luke Winchester, who's on the on Ausbiz from time to time. Yep. Really yep. smart investor. He picked it really early. Um, it's a business that's got a one. As Michael said, the, the the metrics are really nice. They've grown really really well. It is it is a family business. Forty percent. I think the CEO alone owns forty percent of the business, right. um, and. And that's, a, that's always a great sign. They just tend to be much longer term thinkers. They tend to be much more conservative. They take less silly risks and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and they're talking about this FY22 revenue target of $40 million, which contrasts with $22 million, I think, in FY20. Right. Now, Michael's nailed the reasons for that. It's just the, the wind is in their sails at, at the moment. Lots of, lots of work going around. So it will be one, it will be one that it will be exposed to those cycles. Um, but I think, look, at, at a P of 32, uh, profitable business, uh, paying a dividend, very, very well run, I think it's still got a little bit of upside there. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back Luke and, and Strawman and say bye. Okay. All right. There you go, Brad. Uh, some really good feedback there on Laserbond. Uh, now, Raj, Andrew, wants to view, is it Desmil, Deckmill? Group? I've always said Deck Mill. Deck Mill? I think Deck Mill. Deck yeah, Mill? yeah, everyone yeah. says Deck Mill. So uh, uh, Raj says, can you please ask the expert panel for their view on Deck Mill Group? It appears cheap, and with the construction boom, should this company be doing better? I have a portion of this stock now. Is it a hold, sell, or add? Um, they specialise in design and civil engineering construction in uh, uh, accommodation and fabrication and maintenance area. So, sort of in that similar sector to Laser Bond, I suppose. Yeah, it's a lot of engineering services and, you yep. know, a focus definitely on resource companies, infrastructure companies, these kinds of things. But just, it's, an, it's a really, really uh, difficult business engineering services. So things are great when the, when the industry is great and when it's not, it's, it's really tough. Um, I'm not sure if what's going on with that no, chart there. I'm not I sure if that's feel right. as though there's no, probably been a, a, right. a share consolidation, yep. which 
companies do from time to time to make the share price look not as awful yep. as, it, as it is. But it's got a pretty ordinary history here as well. We're talking about share count increases before. The, the share count's grown 3x uh, wow. in the last few years uh, okay. a, a, as well. Um, so look, they, I think the, the consensus forecast I saw from the analyst was for per share earnings of about seven, cent in F, seven cents in FY22. So if they can achieve that, they're on a very low multiple and there could, they, they, they could be um, some short term <coughs> gains if they can achieve that. It'd yeah. never be the business, a business that I'd look to hold for the long term. And frankly, it's just not the kind of business I, I like anyway. So I wish them well, but it's a, it's a hard pass for me. Yep. Um, it's a business that basically provides accommodation on site for miners. They'll put up a big, um, a big sort of warehouse, temporary style things for protection from the elements, etc. cetera. Uh, along the highways, when they're building the government's doing infrastructure projects, right. they'll set up those sorts of tent cities or container type cities. Right. Um, but I just don't think they have that much of a competitive advantage. I think there are a few different people out there providing similar services. Um, and if you can't do well when the conditions are in your favour, it, it does raise questions as to how you're going to go if the cycle does turn against you. And at the moment, there's no doubt that there's a lot of money going into infrastructure, there's a lot of money going into mining projects, um, and yet they're not necessarily killing it. So from my standpoint, that's a, a negative cross um, and, and it rules it out for me. Okay. Unless I get to... Bill Collins, you beat me to it. You beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Fox might do it for them. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, he'd be in the running now at Avalon, wouldn't he? All right. Um, now, Jack wants a view on Deep Yellow. Now, um, uh, Jack's really got a sense of the exotic to him. Uh, Deep Yellow is a uranium uh, exploration company uh, with operations in Namibia. Um, it 100% owns the Reptile Project and the adjacent Nova Project in Namibia. Yeah, I, I know a little bit about this one because I do have a client that had a, ah. a huge disproportionate amount in this one position. A new client came across and he had so much conviction in Deep Yellow. I was there going, are you sure about this? It's some <laughs> random little uranium play. But it's done incredibly well for him. Right. Um, they've got this huge asset that they found yeah, with I think almost... I think it's almost 10% of the world's uranium or something like that in this one, in this one asset. So they've got a huge market potential um, to extract this over the long term. And, and obviously uranium's also been picking up. It's been above 30 um, pounds, I, th I think $30 a pound or something like that. So the uranium price has been going gangbusters, which has also supported the share price to go along with this discovery. Um, so they're expecting to be able to extract uranium out of the ground at 11 cents per pound. And with the, with the uranium price above 30 cents per pound, that's a, a huge margin mm. if I do get to that point. But the assets are still in the exploration phase. Um, they're in Nambia, I think, as well. So there's some sovereign risk around that. And you've also got to hope that the uranium price holds up and that this move to clean energy does, in fact, incorporate yeah. uranium, as many people are hoping. So... I would be cautious. If you wanted some uranium exposure, this is probably the pick of the bunch um, mm. on the Australian market. Right. Um, but you do have to be a little bit cautious because there is a lot of execution risk that goes into this, sovereign risk, and then also the, the price risk involved right. with uranium. So for mine, it's a, it's a, it's a hold if you want right. to be in uranium, um, or it's a, a sell if you'd have no interest in, in these sorts of speculative mining companies. Right. So. 
a hold if you're interested, if you're already well, in it. Yeah, and if, you look, if, if you're, you're already in it and you've made a lot of money. I'll take a bit off the table because it's right. had a good run. Yeah. If you were looking to put together a portfolio of explorations, mining stocks, this would be up on high on the list, but right. I'm not doing that. So for that reason, it's a, right. a hold okay. to a sell. Interesting though, isn't yeah. it? And, and always in the back of your mind, you think, okay, it's still exploring. Yeah. They then start mining and make a heap of money, whether the sovereign risk, the local government goes, well, we'll take that. We yeah. might have a bit of a share of that, or, or in some countries, take it all. Yeah, um, especially in those more disadvantaged parts of the world where yeah. the revenues coming from this mine would be a big chunk of their GDP. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would go back to that initial question and ask why, why do you want to be in uranium for uh, to begin with? Uh, for as long as I can remember, it's always going to be this boom in, in nuclear energy that's around the corner. It yeah. just it never eventuates. Yeah. Uh, I actually think there's a lot of merit to the technology. It's come a long way uh, in the last 50 years. It's a lot cleaner and safer and all of that kind of stuff. So, but the reality is, is that you're competing against technologies that I think are, are just more attractive for a bunch of reasons, but most importantly, perhaps, the economics of them are just going uh, gangbusters. Like the cost, the cost of produ uh, energy production from just you, yep. solar and wind, is the, the cost curve there is falling rapidly. There's a huge amount of investment there. And when you couple that with some of the storage technologies that are coming on, I, you know, which sort of so solves the baseload power kind of problem, um, and just the environmental concerns and the not in my backyard concerns you have with building a nuclear uh, yeah. reactor and yeah. all of this kind of stuff. It's just, it, it's, it's just super tough. So structurally, I think it's very tough. And, and then you've got all the normal challenges that would come with this. So and Michael's just articulated it it's so well. So, you know, if the mine comes on, on, uh, onto production on time and on budget, if there's no geographic risk, there if the commodity price remains within you know all of these things line up and if you're patient enough to sort of sit through all of that and can cop the dilution there's been a ton of dilution here yeah. uh good luck to you and and I, I i do acknowledge that shares have done well recently but they were three bucks back in 2012 you know so it, it's and and when you read the presentations then it was the same story. Yeah. Oh, you know, uranium price is going to go up and we're going to do this. And we, I think it's a new management team now, to be fair. But still, it's sort of a, it's an area where hope springs eternal. And I just don't share that hope. So yeah. it, a hard, hard pass. It, it's interesting. We had was it, I'm just checking my notes here. Is it is it Rex? Were they in uranium as well? A couple of weeks back, um, we had uh, a, a uranium explorer come up and they basically, uh, the panel at that stage, at that time, gave exactly the same explanation as yeah. you two did. Um, that, that uranium mines of, well, uranium has had this promise for year, decades now, almost, mm. and never really taken off. You, you know, you got Olympic Dam, all that sort of stuff, uh, never take off. Well, like the whole thing is just, it, the uranium price is such a, a hot point of contention in oh. so many parts of the world and, yeah. and the use of it. I mean, one avenue that we do go down to get exposure to some of these niche um, commodities is there's a Tribeca Natural Resources Fund, oh. not to give them a plug, but they're trading a big discount 
to NTA, um, and they've got their fingers in a few of these pies, not just domestically, but overseas as well. That's interesting. Um, and it, it's across a whole suite of commodities, not just uranium, obviously. But yeah, just yeah. to clarify, with that deep yellow asset, management reckon it's 6% of the world's known uranium reserve. Okay. Cool. So it's quite a big, a big chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. No. Jumbay will be very oh, pleased yeah. you gave <laughs> a, a mention with Tribeca there. <laughs> um, he says, I think they've got a list of fund about to, to launch as well. Um, all right, our final stock, Andrew, Nick wants to be on Kip McGrath Education Centres. Education seems to be uh, the hot girl at the moment, doesn't it? You had the, the Macquarie Bank uh, backed float, what was that, Key Path just the other day. Uh, you got IDP as well. Um, uh, Kip McGrath um, has franchises and services in the education field, Australia, United Kingdom, New Zealand, South Africa, and uh, Singapore. They have a franchise model. Um, face-to-face tuition programs, also they have an online model as well. We mentioned Claude before, he's yeah. also a supporter of this and has been for right. a long time. So these, these guys do maths and English tuition. Yeah. Um, that's, that's their area of expertise. It's another family-run business, so I think it's 74, 75, Kip McGrath, the, the, the person, yeah. started it. And now his, his uh, son, Storm, I think his name is, uh, runs the company. So it's very much in the family. And they, I think, own about 30 to 35% of, of the shares between them. So yeah, COVID um, knocked them around a little bit. But prior to that, like a really wonderful history of, of earnings growth mm. from that. They've moved uh, overseas with, with a good deal of success as well. And sort of fortuitously, I guess before COVID hit, they've been making this transition more to an online mm. learning model. And um, so while COVID has knocked them around a little bit, as we've come out of that, it's really validated that online sort learning model. accelerated it to us, I suppose. And accelerated like it, uh, you know. So they're very, very savvy uh, operators. Um, there's it, in the most recent first half, they delivered 280,000 online lessons. That's an 800% increase, wow. and now represents 40% of all of the lessons that they're doing. So I think that is the genuine growth engine of the business. 40% of their lessons are all online now. In in the in the most recent first half. So wow. I think as some of the more face-to-face stuff comes back on, that might normalise a right. little bit. But yeah. it is it is growing, admittedly off a very small base, but it is growing very rapidly. So I actually think um, I actually think there's this is this is one that I would be happy to buy. I don't hold any at the moment. Um, yeah. It is pretty illiquid. It's not generally in a space that I like. But when you've got very uh, capable, proven, and aligned management, and they're actually getting some traction and delivering on some of the things they say, I think they've got a bit, bit of potential here. So it's a cautious okay. buy for me. Okay. Yeah. Look, it's one that sort of has popped up a couple of times in, in the past, but never pulled the trigger. I always sort of had concerns about how the whole face-to-face works with a tutor because, yeah. you know, it's like if you've got a good teacher, you're going to go back. If you don't, you, you're going to stop. So how do you keep that staff morale up and, and keep the, the turnover low? Um, but I do like the fact that they are moving into the online space. It's quite interesting how for a lot of companies, and it happens for IDP education as well, COVID came around, they're like, well, hang on, we don't really need to do all these face-to-face yeah. catch-ups. And for a business, it's it's great uh, because the margins are just so much higher for it. Um, so that explosive growth, I think, is something definitely to keep an eye on when it comes to the online space um, because the balance sheet, aside from that COVID hiccup, has been very, very good. And again, I go back to those key metrics, you know, revenue, operating margins expanding, cash flows growing, return on equity was picking up. So there are definitely key traits to like about this company. 
Um, one thing potentially holds me back is that illiquidity thing as well. When you've got sort of a few clients to manage, it can be difficult to get people in and, and, and out. But from a quality standpoint, it's definitely up there and definitely one to, to keep an eye on. So I'm not going to give it a buy just yet, but I'll keep it as a hold. Right. Okay. Um, it is a fascinating area that education so, and, and yeah. tutoring. I have a daughter and grandkids in, in Asia for years and years and you'd go, you'd go up there for holidays and they'd have entire buses wrapped up in tutoring ads. Mm, um, yeah. It was just, I, I said to my daughter, I said, is that school tutoring? She said, yeah, and, you know, all the tiger mums and stuff like that. You want your kid to get extra leg up yeah. in whatever you do. Um, and I think we're getting to, yeah. <laughs> to that. There are lots I, of tiger mum and dads here in Australia. I think I so. So my wife had a bit of a tutoring business. Just right. she, She's got a, a PhD in science, so she did some high school science uh, tutoring there for a while. And the really fascinating thing when she was doing that is we expected, you know, kids who are having trouble with biology and chemistry to sort of rock up. It was the kids who were in the top five of the class yeah. that were rocking up. And it's, it's become a little bit of an arms race within schools where it's kind of like you get tutoring because everyone is yes. tutored. Yeah, and I'm finding that. So it's, so it's sort of like you do it not to sort of help, help you because, you know, if you don't, you're sort of left behind, which to me has sort of ramifications. There's something to be said about our our system when that's not capable in and of itself yeah. to, to teach the syllabus and you have to, to, well, to do or, this. Or the parents' expectations are much higher than they need to be yeah. um, or than a free system sort of free system that we have now. I, I think so. And it's also a bit depressing because particularly in areas like science and, and that where it, it, you... Unfortunately, people just want to be taught the test. Yeah, I don't care about the concepts. No, just get me this through this test. <laughs> just want to get the mark. There's no yeah, critical yeah. thinking. There's no, so it's, it's I look. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. branching off on a massive tangent here, but it's interesting. Well, Norway, Norway have, have banned homework. They don't do, let alone tutoring. They don't do homework at all, and all the key metrics there have increased radically. Yeah. So it's it's one That's of those nice. bizarre things. I don't know if it's a good direction for society. All right. Okay. But good for Kim McGrath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting all very philosophical here. But, yeah, it's good for Kim McGrath. All right, let's recap the final five stocks. Uh, Vicinity, a uh, uh, yes from Michael for cautious uh, sort of conservative investors who who want a good dividend yield. Um, A no from uh, from Andrew. Laser Bond, a yes from Andrew, a no from Michael. Uh, Deck Miller, no from both. Uh, Deep Yellow, uh, Michael has a deep understanding of it, thanks to <laughs> thanks to a client, which is fantastic. He's got it as a hold, uh, a no from Andrew, and Kip McGrath, a yes from Andrew, and a hold from Michael. Andrew Page from Strawman, uh, good to see you. Thank what you, you likewise. Strawman at the moment, what's what's floating the boat of um, of the group, uh, the, the investment club? Strawman's an online investment club you can join swap ideas big forum yeah so well i don't want to give too much away but we're we're releasing something pretty exciting in the next little while oh um it's a bit of a change to the structure of the group so watch this space but yeah it's it's yeah check it out you get some good ideas and some good investors on there gee you think he's floating (laughs) oh i wish (laughs) that's a ways off yeah Uh, michael what's the theme of my looking to finish the financial year off strongly Uh, i think a lot of fund managers out there will probably be helping us out with that yeah (laughs) making sure the markets don't fall too much from where we're going but um just some end of year there's been a couple of raisings that we've 
partaken in as well. Um, there there's, was a, there's one a day this week or something. Well, isn't there? It's there's, more so on the. Today. Well, they're not doing much of the specy stuff, but oh, there's right. been a lot as people try yeah. and get it in before the, the new financial year. Right. Um, but it's been a very busy time and, and we look forward to, to finishing strong. It's been a pretty good year. Yeah, excellent. All right, that's our show for today. If um, you would like us to um, analyse any stocks that interest you, uh, put them in an email to us, thecall at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the TV handle. Reminder, if you want to see all the stocks in the Call's fantasy portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want to wrap up of everything that's happened on the markets in business and finance at the end of the day, you've got to subscribe to the newsletter. You get Scuddy's View, a link to the Close of Business podcast, links to the most popular interviews and segments on the platform during the day. You can subscribe osbiz.co forward slash the COB. And uh, joining us up next, uh, Stephen Levera from uh, Bitcoin Adventures as he takes us through all the market movements of the cryptocurrency, but more importantly, how you can make money off digital coins. Uh, good luck. That's from 1.15 right here on Ausbiz. So a lot happening uh, for the rest of the afternoon. We'll be back after this. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.